from WKNC Raleigh on the campus of NC State University. This, my friends, this is Mystery Roach, your two-hour study of Prague fusion, psychedelic garage, and noise from the 60s, 70s, and beyond, as well as conversations with an eclectic mix of guests forming like Voltron and bringing you your conversational mixtape. I'm one of three in the studio this morning, one host, two guests, finally got that math right, uh, I'm Detroit Barbarossa. Double 10,000 is on assignment. T-Rex is currently on assignment watching the Magic School Bus. I kid you not. Joining us this morning is Paige Carey, local geologist. And we'll be talking about geology as a field of study, the kinds of jobs geologists do. And we'll be discussing history and research in geologic time. Take that, human historians. All that, and we'll be listening exclusively uh, this morning to heavy kind of 60s and 70s, mostly 70s rock. We can be reached in the studio at 919-515-0881 or you can send email to mysteryroach at wknc.org. Finally, you can like us on Facebook. Keep up with the show there. Message us periodically. Get links to articles. Posted something about Zappa a couple days ago. Check it out if you have not already. There's a surprise, right? Zappa. So, starting things off this morning, we're going to turn to Blue Oyster Cult. This is kind of the sound you're going to hear for the rest of the show. Uh, B-sides of the more known bands, of course, uh, and some lesser known bands. But it is it is just straight ahead 70s rock this morning. Career of Evil is the name of the track. This is not an implication that geologists are evil. That was a serendipitous critique, I promise. It's 88.1 KNC and Mystery Roach. Snuck right in there, that T-Rex. Stay back, T-Rex. This is 88.1 KNC. I'm Datari Barbarossa, and you are listening to Mystery Roach. This morning, we're talking with Paige Carey, local geologist. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for coming in. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. I apologize to most of my guests uh, for making them get up early. I hope this was uh, not too much of a burden. Oh, it's fine. So you uh, are currently working in your field. This morning, we're talking about uh, the things that geologists do. Um, and um, geology is a field of study. And in general, talking about things and, and understanding things in ge- geologic time. I often have a historian in here. He's going to be envious because we can talk with more authority further back in time. Uh, so you're currently working as an engineer or for an engineering firm as a geologist. Yes. Yeah. I am officially a geologist working for an engineering company that does a lot of contract work for the state, um, mainly designing roadways and bridges for NCDOT. So when I think of designing bridges, I think of engineers. Uh, as a geologist, where do you plug into that picture? Um, I gather a lot of information for the engineers. Um, I go out and take uh, soil and rock samples and mostly describe their physical properties. And the engineers take that information and it can help inform their designs, the recommendations that they make um, for construction. So you're informing their, their models, basically. They have the equations, you're giving them the input. You're saying the soil is X, the bedrock is Y. This will help you design something that's more stable and more suitable for, for where we're, the yeah, site is. Yeah, basically, yeah. It's interesting. I've, talk, I've spoken with a lot of geologists. I've spoken with a lot of entomologists. I've spoken with archaeologists, all kind of folks that end up working for firms like this because there's a lot of requirements around building bridges, building roads that maybe most people don't think about. Oh, yeah, there definitely are. Um, and I think the company I work for, we definitely go above and beyond sometimes. Uh, it's good to know. Yeah. So uh, we're going to, over the next two hours, talk about uh, other kinds of jobs, as your job as well as other kinds of jobs, and the research that you did as an undergrad, and now that you're applying to grad school, the kinds of work that you hope to do. 
Uh, we might also survey some kind of local geologic uh, fun facts, which is always interesting. Talk about maybe why there's uh, some mills in town, for example, why all those dams exist in and around Raleigh. Um, and we'll be listening to 70s Rock, which I'm sure everybody is very excited about. I should also mention that joining us uh, for his second appearance on the show is local half-elf, Jason McCollum. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thanks. It's great to be back. Welcome back. You get your second gold star. Jason's background not only is in uh, being a half-elf, but also as a GIS uh, programmer and analyst, as well as a ge- you were a geography major, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, that's correct. And all those things kind of tie together because geography looks at how humans and the environment are in- interacting at a high level. Let's define it that way. And ge- geologists kind of inform that. You guys are informing a lot of people, it seems like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. We're know-it-alls. <laughs> so let's get, to, uh, let's get to T-Rex and come back after maybe one or two tracks and talk more with our guest, Paige Carey. It's 88.1 KNC in Mystery Roach. 88.1 KNC in Mystery Roach. We're so wrapped up in our private conversations off mic that, that Budgie just stopped there. Anyway, that was Budgie. You recognize that song, of course, is Crash Course in Brain Surgery. Those of you who liked Metallica when they were good know that that track was released on Garage Days, re-revisited. Uh, I think the first recording with Jason Newstead. Poor Jason. The mix on Injustice for All. Anyway, I digress. Joining us this morning uh, is Paige Carey, local geologist. We'll be talking about geology as a field of study, uh, the kinds of jobs geologists do, and discussing history and research in geologic time. Take that, historians. Also this morning, Jason McCollum is with us. He's a GIS programmer, developer, and geog- he's a, he was a geography uh major where they usually lump GIS and he'll be taking part in the conversation. So Paige, um, where did it all start? What was the first magical rock that you picked up and were like, I would be a geologist. Yeah. So that's some people's story. Um, (laughs) it's not really mine. Uh, I like to think that my interest in geology started, um, with anthropology 101. Um, yeah. So I started undergrad having no idea what I was doing. Um, at all. I thought I might be an English major because that's sort of the default when you don't know what you're doing. Well, I was a psych major. That's the yeah. other default. <laughs> so I, I have a similar story. I can relate. Yeah. Um, so I took a bunch of 101 courses. I took anthropology 101. Um, and, you know, it was it was fine. It was anthropology 101. Uh, but when we got to the paleoanthropology portion oh, um, yeah. of the class, I became really interested in... Um, talking about fossils and hominids and human evolution um and then I you know I was talking to my freshman roommate one day about you know my interests and she was just like randomly doing some sort of searches on the internet and she found that there was a paleobiology major at UNC as part of the geology department um so I took a prehistoric life class uh then took geology 101 found that um I had a stronger interest in geology um, and that getting a paleobiology degree was going to be very complicated. So (laughs) um, I ended up going on to get a degree in geological sciences. And you did research as well as an undergrad, I did, yeah. I did a senior thesis. What was that on? That was in geochemistry, isotope geochemistry. So what what were you applying that technique to? Looking at at, uh, stable isotopes or just... um, how, tell me about the research, I guess. Yeah, so it was uh, research on stable isotopes, mm-hmm. um, particularly stable lead isotopes. I took water samples all across the state of North Carolina, um, tested them for both lead and strontium. I analyzed the isotope ratios, um, lead to lead and strontium to strontium, and tried to correlate those ratios with the underlying geology. Um, if it didn't fit, I 
looked at potential anthropogenic sources. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's basically just figuring out where the lead came from in North Carolina waters. I gotcha. And is it typical for undergrads in your in that major at UNC to do a senior project, or was that kind of a specific capstone course or professor that you were oh, working no, it's on? Definitely typical. We um, I went to UNC Chapel Hill. Uh, we have a small geology department. And so students get to know the professors really well, and professors encourage students to work in the labs to do research. That's great. So it's very easy to do I mean, at UNC. You say small. I mean, how many faculty are guessing that? Not specifically. Oh, probably like 12, maybe oh. 13. Yeah. Um, I think it's grown a little bit over the past year or two since I've been gone. Um so we talk about t-shirts a lot on the show, uh, rock t-shirts specifically. Yeah. I think your t-shirt is fitting for your major. It says, wait, I see a rock. Um, is that often the case if you're wandering around somewhere? Sometimes, yes. Um, my dad got me this shirt, I think, when I graduated. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, definitely, I take an interest in uh, the local geology when I'm walking around somewhere. When I walk into a building and I see, like... Uh, there's like granite on the walls and the floors. I stop and take a look at it. Um, do, do you you often find yourselves like, well, this or find yourself if you're with a group of people, this this wasn't from around here. This was pulled in. Or, oh, if you notice the rocks over here are definitely from around here because of the like, do you find yourself explaining things to people that maybe and I do this, too. I know that Jason probably does that maybe aren't as interested in the details that you're spouting <laughs> at the time or or are friends like, oh, tell us about this. Yeah, well, I'm a one KNC and Mystery Roach. Pink Floyd there, of course. Corporal Clegg coming off a saucer full of secrets. Part of that, we heard Motorhead. Always fun to sneak Motorhead in. The Watcher, the name of that track, coming off of their self-titled release. We're listening to Songs That Rock. Now, I'm not going to use my commercial rock station voice, though I could. Uh, and we're, of course, hitting lesser known. Uh, the Forgotten, Lost, and Neglected, as we like to say here on the show. But we're listening to 70s rock, some 60s rock, of course, with that Pink Floyd, because Paige Carey is joining us. She's a geologist uh, working in the Triangle. We're talking about geology as a field of study, uh, the kinds of jobs that geologists do, and we're discussing history and research in geologic time. Also joining us this morning is local half-elf, Jason McCollum. He's a GIS developer as well and uh, studied geography, uh, related though different um, and he's part of the panel, returning for his second uh, appearance on the show. So welcome, both of you. Thank you. Paige, we were talking about your uh, your day job, what you're doing uh, in working for an engineering firm and doing a lot of consulting projects with folks like the DOT. Um, I think that's a good springboard into getting into the other kinds of work that geologists do. You mentioned your work in looking at soil and rock, essentially subterranean structure to inform uh, the, the build-out uh, of bridges and roads. Uh, but there are other kinds of niches within geology and, and I, even just working at your firm alone. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you can take a geology major in a lot of different directions. Um, the most sort of common career coming from a bachelor's degree in geology is what I do, especially in the Raleigh area. That's mostly what you're going to find if you get a geology degree. Is that just because there's so much development? That and I don't know. There's not much need for like hardcore researching geologists in the in the area in the Raleigh other area. than like outside of academia i guess what yeah you're saying, private yes, sector. exactly um so you know so within that though there's different focuses like someone may be a hydrogeologist someone may be oh yeah yes um so in my company there isn't a lot of room to grow in geology everybody who is a geologist does what i do i got you but um when you get a geology degree, you can go into, uh, most people think of petroleum geology, but yeah. 
you can do hydrogeology. Um, so you're looking at water, the effects of water, water movement, yes, modeling. Um, remote sensing yeah, sort of stuff. Um, a lot of climate scientists come from a geology background. Um, geologists do research in uh, planetary geology. Um, there are just a lot of options. So the climate, the climate science, and the so planetary seems seems like an easy jump, right? Because you're saying if the, the laws of physics apply to the movement of matter on our planet, they should they should apply elsewhere in the universe. Yeah. Um. So what about climate science? Is that is that because geologists, you know, when you're looking at rock strata, let's say you take a core, you're mm-hmm. looking at rocks, and and the reason why we know about um, past climates, you know, you get the usual climate science denialism. Well, we didn't measure, you know, prior to the early, the late 1800s, so we don't know anything. Um, and then you get into, well, what is measurement? How did you measure it? It was a proxy, right? Because you're looking at the effect of this material. So you're basically doing the same thing in rock strata, right? You might look at a core, you might look at the layers that formed in certain epochs and say, well, you know, this formed in this way. So we know the climate was X. And then you look at the next strata and say this formed in this way, we know the climate was Y. Is that, is that kind of how the geologists play into climate science? Uh, kinda. Yeah. Um, uh, paleoclimatology is you know something you get into a lot of. I think they take a lot of ice cores, mm-hmm. um, and they look at fossils. So when um, shells grow, they sort of form rings like a tree. Yeah. And you can analyze those rings mm-hmm. for um, like carbon and oxygen isotopes and get an idea of what the climate was like uh, when what, those sorry. organisms were, were forming. So it's not all. Usually when people think of geology majors, they just think of rocks. Right. And you sort of have to have that base knowledge when you get started in a geology major. But eventually you can take it in a lot of various directions. You know, those climate scientists ultimately usually don't come back to, like, their rock roots. You know, they <laughs> sort of take it. It's their foundation, yeah, if you will. Yeah, it is, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, is it useful for the folks that are listening to the show, because not everybody is a geologist, to, to kind of discuss... Uh, some basic concepts. So we, we're talking about rocks. We're talking about minerals. We're talking about materials within those those matrices. You know, stacking up through time. I used mm-hmm. to love in eighth grade. I took a geology course, and I loved those little diagrams. Yeah. Right. Like just the I guess the sequence. Di- I don't know what yeah, the technical the stra- like the stratigraphic columns. Yeah, and, yeah. I yeah. loved that stuff. But like, is it useful to define simply rocks and minerals and and how they play into that? It might be for the sake of the show. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, geology is really understanding how the crust and the mantle and the hydrosphere and the atmosphere all interact. Um, you know, the earth is this big dynamic system. The hydrosphere isn't separated from the crust. It's not separated from the atmosphere. Everything mm-hmm. uh, is sort of playing into each other. Which um, is why when we talk about climate science and people say, well, the earth, the, the oceans are warming. Everyone goes, well, who cares? Well, because <laughs> it is this dynamic system. That's It is, yeah. yeah. So minerals and rocks, what's the difference? Um, minerals are like made up of, you know, one, uh, repeating sort of molecule crystal structure, um, and minerals make up rocks. So rocks are like, rocks are made of minerals. minerals. Yes. So when, when people, and then you divide rocks further down, right? There's like the igneous rocks, there's the sedimentary rocks, there's the metamorphic rocks. Let's, let's talk about those three. Oh Yeah. I mean, just um, at a basic level, just so the focus, I think what I find at least anyway, is like when people, when you talk about rocks, when you talk about earth, when you talk about planetary science, just having that very, even that very simple information makes a walk in the woods more interesting for folks. Right. So yeah. 
a metamorphic rock versus an igneous rock versus a sedimentary rock. I mean, there's some pretty basic. Yeah, their their origins are different, definitely. Um, igneous rocks form uh, from magma um, intruding into the crust and extruding out, you know, onto land. Um, metamorphic, well, sedimentary rocks are, you know, the weathering products of other rocks. So other rocks are weathered, the clasts are deposited, then they get buried and solidified and turned into sedimentary rocks. And metamorphic rocks uh, can begin as either sedimentary or igneous rocks. Um, and heat and pressure applied to them, and they deform mm-hmm. um, in interesting ways. That's sort of the rock cycle. So the metamorphic rocks will eventually weather and contribute to the formation of sedimentary rocks. And is, is it too simple, a, like a, a, a um, classification rule to where if you pick up a rock and you see crystals in it, ch- chances are it's probably metamorphic, or is that too simple? Because the sedimentary rock could have glued together other metamorphic rocks. Yeah, that is a little too simple. So, so um, what would be a better way to do to? Well, it, it depends. You can see <laughs> crystals in igneous rocks. So if they're um, like coarse-grained, uh, if they're intrusive... So if they formed underground, they're going to cool more slowly. Yeah. Gives crystals more time to develop. Um, so they're more evident. Yes. Okay, okay. Uh, and then, you know, depending on the metamorphic rock, you might see very clear crystals or like if you metamorphosed like... That is UFO on 88.1 KNC and Mystery Roach. If you're wondering why our playlist rocks so hard and i like to say it that way because it seems like an oxymoron it's because we're talking with a geologist that's right geology rocks Paige carrie is joining us this morning she's a local geologist and we've been talking about geology as a field of study uh the kinds of jobs geologists do and talking about history and research and geologic time last on air i i belabored the rock cycle conversations but i think it's um i think it's important to kind of get those basic definitions out into the into the listeners ears uh, let's get deeper now into the research that you did as an undergrad, and that's gonna that really is informing what you're hoping to do as a graduate student. Yeah, my senior research centered around isotopes, mm-hmm. and isotopes are atoms of elements. Um, an element is defined by the number of protons in its nucleus, um, but an atom is also composed of neutrons and electrons, and isotopes have the same number of protons, but uh, their neutron numbers differ, and that gives them a different weight. Do you sometimes, in in talking about it, use species in parlance? Do you say it's a different like what's it? What's a way at an analog for someone listening who's not a chemistry brain to think about them? Is it is another type of the same thing? Say carbon, say hydrogen, say oxygen. It's it's basically like a different species. Yes. So usually they're given a number. Yeah. So um, there's I looked at stable lead isotopes and stable isotopes don't decay mm-hmm. um so there's lead 204 lead 206 207 and 208 um and so, so you distinguish between each of them um and you can kind of use them as natural tracers a tracer being something you might put into the water to watch it flow down river yeah and this is like a natural tracer uh-huh um so i looked at isotope ratios um like lead 204 to lead 206 in water samples and geologic units have their own you know unique ratios and we can uh we call it isotopic fingerprinting Mm -hmm. when you um you know you're looking for those ratios in a sample that you take um so if they match uh if you take a water sample and the strontium ratios uh match a geologic unit um you could 
reasonably uh, say that the strontium in the water uh, was derived from that geologic unit. So it's a way of tagging source, right? I mean, yes, it's, it's yeah. like saying like this lead was a natural uh, was was from a natural um, source, or this lead came from the pipes in a house. Yes, yeah, exactly. So um, part of what we did was we looked for potential anthropogenic sources of lead to so anthropogenic is just um, contributed by humans, um, not well, not naturally occurring in the area. Mm -hmm. Um, So potential anthropogenic sources to the water. um, And most of the lead that we found uh, had a signature for leaded gasoline. Um, So that that kind of points to there there were leaky tanks or there was discharge on the street and went down a storm drain. Yeah, so um, what's interesting is that the U.S. stopped, uh, phased out of leaded gasoline in the 1970s. So it's probably being leached from the soil where it accumulated um, decades ago. Fun. Yeah. So uh, in your work in graduate school, you're hoping to take that further. You're looking at stable, you're looking at stable isotopes specifically to lead, or you're looking to branch, like you want to branch out further into understanding the use of stable isotopes for other kinds of questions. What's your hope? Uh, I have an interest definitely in other kinds of questions. Um, I want to take a look at radiogenic isotopes, which are the product of radioactive decay. Oh, fun. Um, and I, a lot of geologists use radiogenic isotopes to to date geologic units, to piece together geologic history. Um, that is what I have an interest in. I mean, is that one of the main um, sources of evidence for understanding age of any rock strata or any artifact that might be found? Is it? Yes. Yeah. Um, isotope geochemistry is the method for dating for anything geologically. Yeah. And have you? Um, any interest in a specific kind of question and using using that kind of dating mechanism, or is it more just the kinds of uh, bigger picture landscape scale questions we can answer? I mean, there's a lot of ways we can go with that. There are a lot of ways we can go with it, and I haven't quite decided <laughs> um, because you know it has a lot of planetary geology applications. So um, geologists will date meteorites and try to determine their source, and it tells us about. Uh, how the solar system formed. Um, so there's a lot of like deep, deep time stuff that you can do with it, or you can like, um, you know, sort of trace the origin of glacial deposits and you can, so it has like terrestrial applications, uh, not terrestrial applications. And I haven't quite decided, you know, where I want to go with it. Yeah, I think deciding where you're going to, and I know you're still in the application process, you're waiting to hear back. So it would be, it's kind of premature to say, here's my dissertation topic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we've got, we've got about 10 more minutes left in the hour. You look like you wanted to say something there, McCollum. Yeah, so I, I'm curious about this. Uh, as someone who is in the earth sciences, but not as hard of the science as geology from like, literally, no pun intended, I guess. Oh, hey. <laughs> Uh, you know, we talk about dating. That's how we figure out like fossil ages, right? Is by using similar methods. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. Similar methods. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that you can date a fossil directly with the methods that we have now, but you can date the overlying underlying strata, um, which is just rock layers that are above and below the fossil. And you can get an age range for when, uh, you know, a certain organism 
I mean, sometimes when my desk when my desk is cluttered, I th- I think about um, what period of time I needed the paper I needed was from, and I can usually find it in the paper strata. I think it's fairly uh, similar. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> this was from last week. We're gonna take uh, our musical break for the top of the hour. We've got nine more minutes left in the hour. We have a Frank Zappa moment of the week coming up at nine. Uh, I think we're gonna hear something off of Hot Rats. It seemed like the rockinest Zappa record. If you've got requests for the zappa moment of the week i'm happy to make a uh, pull an audible and play something else send an email to mystery roach at wknc.org we've got thin lizzy coming up now you know what i take that back um wknc raleigh on the campus of nc state university this my friends this is mystery roach your two-hour study of prog fusion psychedelic garage and noise from the 60s 70s and beyond, as well as conversations with an eclectic mix of guests, bringing you your conversational mixtape. I'm one of three in the studio this morning, one host, two guests. I'm Datari Barbarossa, Double 10,000 is on assignment, T-Rex is on assignment, and joining us this morning is Paige Carey, local geologist. We've been talking about geology as a field of study, the kinds of geologists, or the kind of jobs geologists do, and we're discussing the history and research done by geologists all in geologic time that and a collection of 60s and 70s bottom heavy rock it's been ridiculous and fun i hope you've enjoyed it so far we've heard uh from the likes of the who thin lizzie motorhead budgie t-rex and blue oyster cult we've got uh, alice cooper some jethro toll uh david bowie black sabbath the move a band called ram jam all lined up this morning but it is nine o'clock and it's time for our frank zappa moment of the week. This morning, we're going to hear uh, Willie the Pimp coming off of Hot Rats. This, of course, uh, has got Captain Beefheart on it. It's a great tune with some bottom heavy guitar, fuzzy stuff. I had a request uh, for Muffin Man. I think I played that recently uh, and I didn't have time to pull it up, but I will check the logs. And if I hadn't played it in a while, I will get it on for you next week. Thanks for the request. Also joining us this morning is uh, local half elf Jason McCollum. He's a geographer and GIS developer in his own right related fields um and he uh has been part of the panel talk to you on the other side of this frank zappa track it's 88.1 k and 88.1 k and c and mystery roach that was our frank zappa moment of the week willie the pimp there featuring captain beefheart off the album hot rats a great record uh one of the i call it intro zappa records for people that ask me what zappa record should i listen to hot rats is always high on that list waka jawaka especially folks like my friend alex who believes that not, uh, everything frank zappa does is sing ridiculous silly novelty songs but i uh i will not engage him in that conversation i will engage my guests in a conversation uh page carey who is a geologist working in the area uh has been with us this morning uh we also have jason mccollum local half elf uh, and I should say also his professional credentials, GIS uh, developer and uh, geographer. We uh, He's part of the panel. Um, and we've been talking about geology as a field of study, the kinds of jobs that geologists do. And we've been discussing history and research in geologic time. So, Paige, uh, coming out of your undergrad, uh, bachelor in, geograph- in geology uh, and working in the private sector for an engineering firm, you're applying a lot of what you learned um, to assist in these projects. Um, what does that look, feel, smell, sound like day to day? You're, you're out on these these work sites, basically. Yeah, I am. Um, so uh, I take soil and rock samples for this engineering company and it informs their designs. Yeah. Um, so we 
get a job from NCDOT, the engineers do like 25% plans. So yeah. they'll go out and do a preliminary design and we'll do a um, subsurface investigation. So I will go out. Well, first we'll decide where we're going to drill, um, what depths we need to go to. Um, and then I will go out with a drill crew. So we take a drill rig, which is like the size of a large like tractor, or, like a small tank. Um, nice. And uh, <laughs> part of that's got to just be fun to like, play with that equipment. Of, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I don't get to operate it, um, but um, I you just point. Yes, I do. I just kind of like direct where they go. But um, that's based on your assessment. You look yeah. at the site and say it makes most sense to take samples here, here, yes, and here so yeah. that we get a complete picture. Not uh-huh. to belittle the work that you're doing, but the the big you know, the big machine is yeah. also fun. So we take samples by drilling into the ground, um, and we take samples at particular depths and I collect them and classify them. Um it's pretty cool. Sometimes we take rock core, um, so we will core into the ground. Um and pull out the bedrock and I have to identify it and, you know, make note of the fractures and. Because again, all this is kind of telling the engineers to say, you're building on a, a surface that has these qualities, make certain that you account for them. And then the engineers move on with the equations using the, the inputs that you've given them. Yeah, they do. Um, so if we find like really soft clays, engineers have to account for that because, you know, some soils are better on for building on than others. Um, uh, and we also have to make note of where we encounter water and at what depth we encounter bedrock, if at all. Um, yeah, because it's not just uh, let's make the bridge sh- safe. It's also environmental impact that you're assessing for um, and those kinds of things, I would assume. Yeah, um, you definitely have to make note uh, of the groundwater you know, yeah. when you're doing construction and when. Uh, so, for example, the by near where I live, they're working on the Beltline. Um, they're expanding that out. That's basically over NC State, you know, Hillsboro, Western Boulevard, that whole area. Um, it's it's fun now to know that in that crew is not just folks that are you know engineers and 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 folks that are working on actually building, but it's it's folks like yourself who are out there assessing. Um, and I, do, you, do you check on a project as it progresses, or are you basically there at the initial phase? I'm basically there at the initial phase, and we usually are on site long before construction starts. Yeah. Um, so I'm not really involved with or really concerned with the construction process. It's kind of nice, though. Um, we've been working on I-40. Um, so I did some drilling there, and now it's in the construction phase. And so I drive past it, and I'm like, oh, I drilled a hole for that bridge. Yeah, now that's building cool. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For something like a bridge, which is obviously massive, like how far down do you have to drill in order to like support something that weighs tons and tons and tons. Yeah, so pretty far. Um, and also it depends on um, the area that you're in. So when we drill in the Piedmont where the bedrock, or the Piedmont is you know, sort of east of the Appalachians to um, just east of Raleigh. Mm-hmm. Um, the bedrock is relatively shallow in some areas, um, so we don't have to drill that far. Uh, it also depends on um, how dense the soil is. So when we drill in the coastal plain where the bedrock is like far below the surface. Uh, it's pretty distance, sandy soils as you get down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and pretty loose. So the distance that we drill depends on the density of the soil and the strength of the soil as we go down. So the depth actually varies. Uh, 
It's depends really on dependent the site. on what we're seeing, yeah. And is it iterative? Like, might you drill down to a certain depth and say, well, we need to go further because we found this component? Or is it pretty, um, especially working in the Piedmont, where you might say it's a, it's not homogenous by any stretch of the imagination, but the yeah. bedrock situation is fairly homogenous, it sounds like. So you, you're pretty comfortable with the depths in the Piedmont. Yeah, we are. Uh, you know, when we drill in certain areas, we kind of get used to, we get a feel for what we're going to expect, like where we're going to encounter bedrock and what it's going to be. So in the Piedmont, it's usually uh, granite or uh, some sort of granitic gneiss, which is just metamorphosed granite. I imagine our, our panelist here wants to make a pun like, well, granite, you think you know what's down there. But, <laughs> uh, so, I, you know, I find myself giving directions based on landmarks or thinking about where I'm driving based on landmarks. Do you find yourself going, uh, well, I'm going to be over, bar- over there by that granite deposit I was at the other day. Do you, do you find that now? Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In a, inside of a geologist's brain. So these trips around the Piedmont give you exposure, not only to the, the material that you need to know for the work you're doing, but also as a you know, just as a citizen of the Piedmont, you start to get the picture of the interesting things about our geology that have influenced human uh, settlement here and the ways that we do things, the building materials we use. So we mentioned the fall line and the, and the waterfalls. I think we're going to take a short break, come back and start to take a little tour of the, of the Piedmont um, and talk about some of the geologic history uh, that influenced human history. Uh, which is always fun, which, t- which gets us to, geog- to geography. So that's, that, that's, that's Jason McCollum, local half-elf. Uh, during our conversation, I glanced over at the playlist and realized the next track I had queued up by Alice Cooper, uh, entitled Under My Wheels, come on, coming off the album Killer, is kind of appropriate for the conversation because we were just talking about development projects uh, for the interstate. So there you go. Conversational mixtape achieved. It's 88.1 KNC and Mystery Roach. 88.1 KNC and Mystery Roach. That was Jethro Tull, Cross-Eyed Mary. Prior to that, we heard Alice Cooper and Under My Wheels. Both of those tracks, part of our thematic mixtape for our conversation this morning with Paige Carey, local geologist. I will say it's more of a um, genre thematic mix than it is a subject thematic mix as we normally uh, employ. This is just songs that rock, 60s and 70s rock, uh, the forgotten, lost, and neglected. And we've been having a lot of fun with it. So, Paige, uh, we've been talking about the Piedmont. We've been talking about your work in the Piedmont, um, as working as a geologist. Uh, the, Piedmont ha- the Piedmont has a long geologic... Hi- I guess we all of the Earth has a long geologic history, but there's a lot of interesting components about the Piedmont that have influenced the ways that we live here. Yeah, so um, just so everyone knows, North Carolina is divided into three geologic major geologic provinces. So there's the Blue Ridge province, uh, that encompasses the Appalachian Mountains. Mm-hmm. There's the Piedmont, mm-hmm. which is from, you know, just where the Appalachian Mountains start to east of Raleigh. And then there's the coastal plain mm-hmm. that goes to the coast. Once I get on the coastal plain, I, I get a little bit, I love the beach, but I get a little bit bored. Very flat. Oh, not yes. a lot of relief. Yeah, it's just super flat. Look, yeah. I can see what's right in front of me. The Piedmont at least has some rolling hills. Uh, and that's where we are. That's where you've been working. Yeah. There's, a, there's a fall line, an old, is it a fall there line? There is, yeah. So where the... Well, it's where the Piedmont meets the coastal plain. The Piedmont is mostly hard volcanic rocks um, and more metamorphic rocks. And the coastal plain is soft sediment. So once, you know, the streams go from hard rock to soft sediment, um, they sort of take a plunge. Uh, and so there are a lot of... <laughs> That's um, a technical term. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of uh, falls along the border between the Piedmont and the coastal plain. It's called the fall line. And yeah. a lot of people have, you know, settled there. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, if you look at a map of like the mills, 
in that were in the area. They are all along that fall line. It makes a nice, you know, connect the dots. They are, yeah. So geology can play into our understanding of, you know, human settlement, um, mm-hmm. you know, where we live and how we live, which is really fun. And, and I mean, this, you know, the this the entire eastern coast, of course, crashed into as you know, as a result of plate tectonics. There yeah. was there was collision. There was uplift. The mountains were built. Then they eroded yeah. over time. Yeah, uh, we find bits of rock that are not from here, uh, alien, so to speak. Yeah, we do. So um, the Earth's crust is made up of tectonic plates. So um, there are these big plates of rock that are separated by faults and they move over time um they crash into each other they subduct under one another so one plate will move on top of another plate um they will break apart and separate from one another um and so when plates crash together it it forms mountains Mm -hmm. um and different rock types can get accreted onto others so they get um basically stuck on left behind yeah yeah. um so that's why you can see fossils on top of mountains because uh one plate crashed into another plate and the sediments and rocks from one plate got you know stuck onto another and that was kind of the original evidence for uh understanding plate tectonics is geologists started to see rock rocks that were from other continents on coastlines or or on you know mountain chains of of continents across oceans yeah and they started to piece that together and then looked at the map and said hey look these kind of fit together depending on what projection you're using of course that was for you jason uh I appreciate so, it. so what else about the piedmont um you know as a layperson you know it, not everyone can be friends with a geologist we're not all that lucky like what other kinds of things can we notice about the piedmont yeah so i went to school at unc chapel hill which is in the piedmont yeah um and so our professor gave us a lecture on the history of the geology of North Carolina. And what's interesting about the Piedmont is that Raleigh is also in the Piedmont. So the rocks that we stand on actually were formed as part of the South American plate um, over 600 million years ago. Mm-hmm. So a volcanic arc formed um, off the South American plate as a result of su- subduction, um, which formed granites, other volcanics, and then the North American plate collided with the South American plate somewhere between like 500 and 600 million years ago. And those volcanic rocks got accreted onto the North American plate. Um, and then the plate separated. So the rocks that we stand on are actually uh, sort of exotic to the North American plate. So uh, the granite, you know, beneath our feet uh, actually... This is sort of from South America. I'm going to impress people with that tidbit as we're standing around like waiting for a bus. You know, we're standing on exotic rocks right now. <laughs> and they'll back away at several feet. <laughs> um, why don't we take a short break? Uh, I think we're going to listen to the Velvet Underground. Uh, we're going to hear Run, Run, Run. Um, I imagine water uh, as part of a, um incremental weathering process is Run, Run, Running over some of the uh, accreted rock from the South American plate. We'll come back and talk more with our guest, Paige Carey, local geologist. I think you should have a business card that says specifically local geologist. It's 881KNC and Mystery Roach. 881KNC and Mystery Roach. Rat salad. Sounds delicious. Coming off the album Paranoid, that of course was Black Sabbath. We heard David Bowie and the Velvet Underground, all part of that set and part of our thematic mixtape, our genre theme mixtape. Uh, for our guest, Paige Carey, who's a local geologist working here in the Triangle. Uh, we've been talking about geology as a field of study, the kinds of jobs that geologists do, and we've been discussing history and research and geologic time. 
I know the question that many of the listeners have on their lips now in their minds and hearts is what is that local half elf fellow Jason McCollum doing here anyway? Um, and you know, you have been on the show before I, I, I can expose that you and I know each other professionally. Um, but as a GIS geospatial person, as a background in geography, you know, you, I know you have a joke you want to tell on the air about uh, the difference between geology and geography, which you're permitted to do so now. Well, you know what they say. What do they say? Geology rocks, but geography is where it's at. So, but in all sincerity, GIS, geospatial information systems, computer mapping and, and analysis of, of data in time, not in time and space um, is applicable across all fields. But, you know, GIS is, is saturating most things these days. I mean, we're all carrying GPS uh, recorders in our pockets and feeding the, the Borg. Uh, but as a geologist... Obviously, what you're looking at is is not just time, but also space. And so you yeah, see a lot of GIS yes, in your definitely. field, I would assume. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, if you want to do research, you probably need to have at least a base knowledge of GIS because you have to create figures for your papers. You have to map where you got your samples. Uh, you know, you use it to digitally map geologic units. Um, yeah, it's, any, it's essential. Right. Yeah. And any kind of geospatial analysis, uh, looking at layers of data together... Uh, in space and time, I mean, that is geology. It's a lot of things, but it's, it is geology. It is, yeah. Um, so GIS plays a very important role in geologic research. And there is a lot of crossover between the two fields. I For mean, sure. As I think we all can attest from the times when someone has come up to us and you say, you're a geologist, and they go, oh, I love my human geography class <laughs> I took, or vice versa. <laughs> Yeah, there's, the a, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of just folks trying to participate in the conversation, and it's right. it's nice to help educate and not ridicule. But that does that does certainly happen, though. I do ridicule as, as a, I guess, okay. as a as a fun uh, thing for people I care about. But like geography, people think where are things on a map. Geology, people think geography, uh, but geography really is again like how people are interacting with their environment, how they are, right. how that's going bi-directionally, how they're being influenced. So it, it, I mean, geology is very, very, very important. And I've known, for example, folks in geography departments who study soils, who study, you know, fertility in soils, who study, you know, uh, natural hazard uh, sort of um, phenomenon, how that influences where we settle and how we settle and economic development. So it's all really kind of tied. Yeah, it's really interrelated in that way. Yeah, you can't really talk about someone's or a group of people's relationship with the world without talking about physically the <laughs> what they're on top of. Yeah. Um, and, and you were talking about uh, anthropology and isotopic dating, and we were talking off air yeah. about teeth and teeth yeah. not only in humans, but teeth in, in food sources. So like sheep around some, you know, old settlement site that somebody dug up uh, for one reason or another. And how old is this site and where does it fit into what we know? It all kind of comes together. Yeah, it does. Uh I worked in an isotopes lab at UNC and we would get samples from archaeologists. You know, they wanted us to date their samples to inform their research. Uh, so it's, 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 cool. it's um, you know, it's, there are discourse communities and there's intercollaboration. And that really is a big push at academic institutions like NC State, like Chapel Hill. It's, it's not, it's, it's not useful, I guess, the idea goes, and I, I agree, to look at a problem from one lens, having several lenses and several, uh, perspectives uh and oftentimes they're the same perspective with different sets of jargon help inform a more you know complete picture um which is why i guess you two get along so well so <laughs> let's look at this from a geologic perspective but here's the question that i can never figure out and this i even uh thought this as a junior high student but then in in undergrad when i took a couple of geology courses 
the joke rocks for jocks was always a thing at my institution, my undergrad institution, WVU. It must must have been. You're you're smiling and nodding. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So geology 101 is like known for being the easiest course. Yeah, but I, I science wonder, course to take. Yeah, um, it, like uh, biology folks would say, oh, that's I'm taking biology. It's harder or more yeah. interesting, it, which always blew my mind. I I mean, I guess it could be more interesting. Well, you know, in geology, intro to geology, you have to cover a lot of general concepts. Right. Um, so when you're taking introductory geology, you're not doing a lot of calculations. Um, you're not using really any equations. You're just taking in information. Mm-hmm. Um so in that way, it's not so difficult. Um, it's not it's not r- rigorous or difficult yeah, mathematically. In that way, yeah. But you know, it's part of like a Renaissance you know education. It's part it of is, being yeah. being well versed in your surroundings, being able to in this case understand popular discourse about climate change. Like having a background in geology for most people is a little is kind of important. Yeah, I mean that's not too. I know you're not degrading yeah. it. I'm, I'm <laughs> talking to the larger. I'm not saying your response because your response was. Well, Let's understand their perspective. Yeah, a geology major is challenging and, you know, interesting and fun. Um, but, you know, when you are introduced to geology, there's a lot of general information that you yeah. have to cover. Um, so what? the introductory course is definitely different from, like, intro to biology where you have labs. and. Well, so I took geology as an undergrad at WVU. I think I took three courses in total, like Geology 101, a geology lab, which was like rocks and minerals where I, I literally got written up in the freshman dorm for studying for my mineral exam because we were shouting mnemonic vices too loud in, in Monty Python voices. Uh, but then we also, I also took a historical geology course, and all those were large seminar courses, I think could have been put in that rocks for jocks category probably, but they were some of the most fascinating courses I've ever taken. And, and if you let's so juxtapose this conversation with a conversation I've had with some physicists that I know at State, and they talk about courses that are taught intro physics courses without math, which yeah. to them like breaks their brain. Yeah. Like how do you teach physics without math? But the other side of that coin is how do you bring people into the f- into the fold of your discipline, not necessarily to be experts, but to understand it. If, if all you want to do is go straight, like ramp it up to 11, spinal tap, yeah. give them the equations and bash them over the head with it. Yeah. Well, you know, I think when we when I took intro to geology, I had a professor who you know, sat us down and gave us a lecture about the <laughs> geology of North Carolina and how he liked to say that geology affects everything. Um, and I, I don't know, that really appealed to me. I yeah. think it appeals to a lot of people. Like, I think so. There is like a larger background story to like, to your own. Um, Deep and- time, geologic time blows my mind every time I think about it. Not in a like, I can't move kind of way, but it it kind of puts my life and my issues into perspective to think about like blip. There's where you stand on the calendar. Are, any questions? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like um, your existence is sort of owed to the earth's own evolution. Yeah, exactly. Um, when I uh, was a middle school teacher for, I guess four years I taught middle school. Uh, it was essentially human geography, um, social studies in seventh grade at that time, early aughts. Um, we would cover kind of geologic time, um, and it would, there's there's several classic ways to do that with twelve year olds. You roll out an entire roll of toilet paper in the hall, and then you mark the very very end of it. Or that clock analogy, like here we are at the very last second of this twenty four hour period. That's where humans. Um, I used to draw a line starting on the chalkboard, but then moving into, around the entire room and just say here we are. And and like that kind of concept does kind of break people's perceptions a little bit. 
Yeah, it does. Um, you know, I was always fascinated by how the Earth has sort of just done its own thing for billions of years. Like, we weren't here. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't have any part in it. Like, right, right. Um, that's what has appealed to me about geology. I think that's probably, I don't want to say universal, but it's probably a common theme is understanding like how long, like how much time persisted between the death of the dinosaurs and the beginning of humans is, is it's, it's thousands and thousands of years. Like even yeah. that is, is amazing to think about. Yeah. Um, anyway, we, we've babbled and, and we've essentially uh, had uh, come to the end or we've come to the end of yet another edition of Mystery Roach. Remember this show happens each and every Saturday from eight to 10 bringing you prog fusion, psychedelic garage, and noise from the 60s, 70s, and beyond. I have been and will be again to Tori Barbarossa. You can reach me and the rest of the crew here at uh, Mystery Roach throughout the week at the address mysteryroach at wknc.org. I believe Double 10,000 will be back next weekend, if I'm not mistaken, at spring break. Um, but I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. Like us on Facebook. Send us messages there. Thank you to my guest, Paige Carey. I appreciate your time this morning. I appreciate you getting up early, and I'm sure I didn't have to twist your arm too much to talk about rocks. No, not at all. I had a really good time. Uh, good luck in the application process and decision process for grad school, and good luck in isotopic research. Uh, thank you also to, for the returning panelist this time, local half-elf, local half-elf, Jason McCollum. Yeah, it's great to be here. And <laughs> we could talk about uh, Cthulhu maybe uh, at another time. <laughs> Uh, the the role-playing game that you're so enamored with. I'll try to roll a stealth roll and just stay here until next week. <laughs> you are the geekiest joke you've ever heard on Mystery Roach. Um, I have a lot of songs to pick from. I think I'm going to play one hand-chosen by none other than Ben Braxton. If you don't know Ben Braxton, you're not living life uh, correctly. That's really my assertion there. So this is The Move, and uh, we were talking about geology and rocks, and rocks are always on the move. It's 88.1 KNC and Mystery Roach.